Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, are there certain things that you are wishing for right now? Some things that you really would like to see. And sometimes we wish for very unlikely things. We might say, uh, may there be world peace. Or may that person I love not be dead anymore. Wish she was here. Wish she was here. And we don't expect those wishes to be fulfilled on this side of heaven because it's not possible in a world that has fallen into sin. But we think it would be nice, and then we express it by saying, may that, may that happen. But other times, the things we wish to happen are possible, very possible, because all the necessary parts for the wish to come true are already there. We may pray something like, may my child use the gifts he has been given to glorify God in this life. Or, may I remember how much God has forgiven me when I deal with those who hurt me. The word may is being used in the second way, like we also sang in many of the psalms we've already sung this morning. In Hebrews 13, verse 20 the Holy Spirit is revealing the desire that he has for the church, that the church may experience the fullness of the blessings that, they ha that have already been obtained for them as they are described in the earlier parts of this letter. All those things we read in Hebrews 1 and 4 and 6 and 7 and all those chapters at the end saying, may the church experience all that Christ has done for them. The final words of the letter are called a benediction. It means good words or, or a blessing. It was followed by some encouragement to remember one another in love. The benediction does not only comfort us by revealing that the Lord wants good things for us, but it also shows us what God has made possible for us to experience. The benediction is a prayer that all God's people, and you'll notice that the writer includes himself in verse 21, that all God's people might experience all the riches that are found in Jesus Christ. And every benediction, every prayer for blessing is based on doxology, on, on words of praise to God. It's an appeal to God that there might be a strong connection between the truth of the gospel and the people who hear it. The benediction at the end of Hebrews asks that God might work faith in the hearts of believers so that they might experience the consequences of Christ's shed blood and do God's will in the eternal covenant under the lordship of Jesus Christ, our great resurrected shepherd. And the Holy Spirit repeats these words also to us in the preaching as the Lord calls his church to believe that he will equip us with everything good. The Lord calls his church to believe that he will equip us with everything good. We'll see that he is the God of eternal peace, he has raised up our great shepherd and he grants his grace to all 
believers. You'll notice that right in verse 20, right at the beginning. God is called the God of peace. In the Bible, the concept of peace, maybe you know the word shalom. It speaks of a full and a well-rounded life in which we are able to glorify God with every part of our being. The word points to a situation of sufficient food for each day. No fear of enemies or unkind people. Joy in our work and relationships. And a calm assurance of God's nearness in the midst of trials. Even though this fallen world is full of shallowness and brokenness and loneliness and violence, we believe that God is able to bring peace. He is the greatest peacemaker. We can find peace in God because he is the only one who is able to crush the evil one together with all the consequences of his immoral and bloodthirsty reign. The God of peace foreshadowed the punishment of everything that is evil already in the Old Testament when he destroyed the world with the flood, when he poured out his wrath against the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, when he flattened the unrepentant Egypt and he broke the fierce grip of Babylon. God brings peace by breaking the bow and shattering the spear. That's what it says in Psalm 46, verse 9. But he also brings peace by preparing a place where the righteous can dwell securely. Peter talks about that in his letters. The people of Israel experienced the peace of God when he saved Noah and his family from the flood, when he called Lot and his family out of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, when he led the, the people of Israel through the, the, the Red Sea on dry ground, when he brought back the remnant of the faithful Israel out of exile in Babylon. The people of God who trusted in him could experience his protection so much that they looked forward to the time when they could turn their weapons into farming equipment and sit beneath their vine and fig tree at peace and unafraid. They could receive the promise that in the kingdom of God, the lion and the lamb would dwell together and little children would play with snakes and not be hurt. God promised to bring peace through his own son, Jesus Christ, who would bear the wrath of God against sin, that wrath that we deserve on his own shoulders. When you believe in him, when you believe in Jesus Christ, you are a part of his body and his punishment that he bore is like an umbrella that saves us from the wrath that we deserve. And the people of God can experience what Paul calls in Philippians 2, that peace that passes understanding. The benediction in Hebrews calls God's people to believe that the Lord is the God of true peace and that we belong to an eternal covenant that is sealed by the blood of Christ whom God raised from the dead. 
It's a great comfort for us in all our trials. And the benediction in our text mentions that the God of peace brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant. The Holy Spirit wants the church to understand the reality of the peace that we have with God. These aren't just words, but the Son of God gave his own life on the cross, and in his blood we have peace with God. And then we read that since God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, if you believe that to be true, it is a sure guarantee that his death has satisfied God's wrath once and for all. It's effective to pay for the sins of all who believe in him. If you believe in him, you can say his blood is effective to pay for my sins. Nothing stands between me and the almighty God. It's a relationship of peace. The may of verse 20 is not a wish for something impossible. But it's a prayer that God may remember all, or that God's people may remember all that God has done. May we never forget the reality of everything that has been taught and that we studied together just in this letter of Hebrews. The Holy Spirit has explained it to us clearly. And now he prays, may God's people believe this gospel, believe that they are a part of an eternal covenant. The more excellent relationship with God in Jesus Christ has come. And it gives us reason for much praise. You who believe in Jesus Christ are a part of this eternal covenant with the God of peace. The statement of praise in Hebrews 13, the doxology, is like a confession in which we are given words to picture exactly who it was that God raised from the dead. You see, although no one was there to see the resurrection with their own eyes, the final words of Hebrews encourage us, encourage us to see Jesus, the Savior, in his glorified body, the Christ, who was anointed as prophet, priest, and king. Yes, our Lord, who has bought us with his precious blood, walking away from the dark grip of the grave, having broken the teeth of the serpent and destroyed the evil one. But in case you might be terrified of a Lord, so much power, so much glory, this perfect and victorious mediator, the Holy Spirit also calls our Lord the great shepherd of the sheep. He busted out of the grave in the darkness in order that he might lead you beside still waters and grant you the peace of a cup of blessing that overflows in the will of God. The Holy Spirit calls you to embrace this shepherd as your Lord. Believe that he is the one who will equip you for every good thing. It's very striking to read that he has raised the great shepherd of the sheep. Jesus Christ, the great shepherd. You see, a shepherd is defined by the fact 
that he cares for sheep. And as the glorious and victorious eternal King Jesus, he leaves the grave and he is raised to glory in heaven. He does so with an eye on you, with an eye on his sheep. It's like a shepherd who, who's climbing up out of a valley and he climbs up onto a watchtower in order to oversee and supervise everything that is happening to his flock. And so also Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead so he, and he can see all those who are his. God raised up a great shepherd of the sheep. That is why all the leaders in the church, and we, we heard about that also in, in Hebrews 13, why they must give an account to him. They are, they are serving the risen shepherd, Jesus Christ. And he's watching very closely how people take care of those he bought with his own blood. This great shepherd of the sheep was raised for the well-being of the church, for your well-being. The benediction is a prayer that you might believe that, that you might see that. The Lord Jesus has been raised so that we might be equipped, verse 21, equipped to do his will. It's important to see, brothers and sisters, without the work of God in our lives, we do not have the equipment to do his will. Because the rot of sin has affected every part of our being and made us incapable of glorying God in our minds and our hearts and our bodies, left on our own, we are really like sheep that keep going away and, and, and missing what we need most. But when we believe in Christ's victory for us, when we depend on His grace completely, when we hide ourselves in, in His victory, He gives us His Holy Spirit so that we may do His will. He equips us. God gives us what we need. We read it in Hebrews 13, verse 21. He's working in us that which is pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ. Th those are amazing words for us to read, brothers and sisters. Because he's talking about you. He's talking about me. He's talking about normal people. And God is working in us. That also means he doesn't leave faithfulness and obedience just up to us. See how much you can produce. See if it's good enough for him. He's working in us. It's in this context of the promise the church prays, may the God of peace equip you with everything good that you may do his will. Since Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and he has given us his Holy Spirit who is now working in us, we can keep in step with the Holy Spirit. We can desire to humbly submit to his word for guidance. We can, we can just, you and I again, normal people, we can go to this word and, and we can begin to take steps in the way that glorifies God. That's the prayer of the Holy Spirit. May we desire everything good. May we desire a humble heart that hungers and thirsts for righteousness, a childlike fear of God, and a spiritual joy and a holy delight to see the fruit of faith in our own lives. God 
gives everything good to those who believe in Jesus Christ. May his church embrace these blessings so that we love that which God loves and we seek that which is pleasing in his sight. You see, God has not raised up a brutal judge who demands obedience and then simply waits to see if you can do it or not, but he has raised up a great shepherd who calls us to a life that pleases God and then equips us so that we can actually begin to do it. And if, if we stumble and fall, he's a shepherd. He, he holds us and he carries us so that we can do it. And the benediction at the end of this letter is, is not just pie in the sky, wishful thinking. It is a gift of God. And we pray that we may experience the reality of God working in us so that we may do what is pleasing in his sight and give him the glory forever and ever. That need for God's blessing in the church is so important that the writer in the Hebrews turns his attention to the readers and the hearers of his sermon and he appeals to them, bear with my word of exhortation, care about one another, Greet each other in the Lord. Live together in God's grace. Because that's part of the blessing. He grants his grace to all believers. Fellowship in the body of Christ. We receive the blessing together. It includes exhortations. You see that in verse 22? And then he's referring to his whole letter as a brief exhortation. And that whole letter then shows us what the Holy Spirit wants us to, to hear, wants, wants to have as a rule in our lives, the, the type of message that needs to fill our hearts. It's a reference to his whole letter, the beginning part that says that Jesus Christ is superior to the angels and, 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 to, and over Moses, and how our Lord Jesus is the Savior. He fills, fulfills the temple and the sacrifices. The word of exhortation includes warnings, many warnings against sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, rejecting Jesus Christ, refusing to meet together with other believers, giving up the fight and, and becoming useless with each other. There's many warnings in this brief word of exhortation that also we must bear with. There's also appeals, appeals to listen to the preaching of the gospel, to consider the warnings of his word very carefully, to receive the encouragement and the prayers and the spirit of love and humility and triumph in Jesus Christ. The church receives the blessing as urged to bear with this exhortation to, to understand who their God is. And the word bear suggests that there may have been some tension. And perhaps if you look at verse 18, you can see that there was as some concern. He was asking that they pray for him. And he explains that he has a clear conscience. He desires to act honorably in all things. And perhaps it seems that the congregation was disappointed that he, he had not come soon enough. And so he prays, just pray that I might be restored to you sooner. I'm doing what I can for you, my flock. And then he says, bear with my word of exhortation. 
It's important for the well-being of the church. The author's desire for harmony among the believers and, and faithful churches is further expressed when he gives them news about Timothy. He even says that the church should know about the situation of this church leader and this evangelist. The church receiving the blessing of the Lord should know about Timothy. Why? Why should they know this? Is it because they have to support him financially for the journey? Should they know because maybe Timothy needs some room and board? Or could it be all of these things? And the author really wants the believers to care about other churches and other servants of the Lord. The grace of God comes to all of you. The grace of God comes to the body of Christ. And as a result, all those who are in the grace of God should pay attention to what is happening to their brothers and sisters in all places of the world. Do you know and care about what is going on in, in this congregation with your brothers and sisters, with, with other churches in our federation? Our sister churches? Do you pray regularly for believers in other places of the world that receive the same blessing that you receive? Because that blessing comes down on all of us. Grace be with all of you. And in this context, it is fitting that we as churches pass on greetings to one another. The author tells the small group receiving this letter to greet all your leaders and all the saints. It seems to indicate that there was another assembly of believers nearby, perhaps even the mother church of the congregation receiving this letter. And he also tells them that those who come from Italy send you greetings. This indicates that the church receiving the letter is in Italy and that those who had left Italy because of the persecution, perhaps, were together with the author in some place. Once again, although we don't know all the details, the principle is the same. Believers exhort and encourage one another. Churches pay attention to the situation of other churches as they try work together. Churches care about each other. When we send greetings... When we give updates to one another about the work in our area, when we read off attestations from different churches, when we visit the, 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 the synods of other churches and pass on official greetings, we are saying to one another, although we are far apart, we share the same faith and we want to encourage you in your journey. May the God of peace also equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And the final words of Hebrews are a call, a call to God's people in all places, in all, all times, to believe that he will equip us with everything good. We are called to believe that the God of peace will be with us in Jesus Christ so that we will be able to do what is pleasing, in, pleasing to God 
as we live in fellowship with one another. Brothers and sisters, this is God's prayer for you also. May you too know of the grace to you in Jesus Christ. May you embrace this grace and may you live out of his grace. Amen.